This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello everybody, it's Matt Larkin here. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. Thank you for listening or watching if you're checking out the live stream. And I want to start before I introduce Ryan and Ken here by apologizing for my voice. I have lost it. So I'm going to really rely on the bass today and just sound bass. a lot more like Ryan Kennedy. Like I'm bass. experiencing life as Ryan Kennedy. Radio voice. So. Yeah, yes. I, gotta, I just got to really just live the Ryan Kennedy Matt experience. Matt Larkin. Do I sound like Ryan Kennedy? Hey, it's me, Ryan Kennedy. I don't know. I just know that... Uh, Can I get that poem? Yeah. I know that me and Chad LaRose have the exact same voice, because one time I interviewed Chad LaRose on the phone, and it sounded like myself, and it was really weird. Oh, that's awesome. It's finally the start of the season. I, for one, was really excited about this, because, you know, all, all due respect to the RFAs, I was just really tired of talking about RFAs. Every, you know, wedding or cottage in the summer, I was like, oh, who is this guy going to sign? This guy going to sign? Uh, now we got some hockey to then talk about. Then you got to talk about, about yeah. captains after that. Captains, that's right. <laughs> yeah, who's gonna, yes, captains. exactly. Who's going to be the least captain? That's right. Uh, and, you know, we're only a few games into the season, of course, uh, so it's a time for some takes that will prove to be pretty silly or hilarious uh, in hindsight, right? Because you don't want to overreact. But that doesn't mean that, that every storyline that's played out in the first week of the season means nothing. Right. So I, what I want you guys to do is find one, pick one storyline that you think we should take seriously. I'll volunteer one first, okay? So mine is the tale of the Winnipeg Jets defense. So it's only been a couple games, but to me, a, a way you can identify if an early season storyline is true is, did you expect it to happen before the season started? And we knew that the Jets defense on paper was a mm. massive problem. Josh Morrissey banged up now as well. We've already lost Bufflin and Tyler Myers and Jacob Truba, oh my god, and look at some of the numbers. So the Jets, through a couple games, they allow the most high danger chances against, shot attempts against in the league. They are fifth in expected goals against, fifth most. Uh, 60% on the penalty kill, outscored 14-9. So... I'm very worried about the Jets, and right now, I think the defense is such a problem, especially if Josh Morrissey can't get healthy and stay healthy, that it could threaten the Jets' ability to make the playoffs. Agree or disagree? Ooh, I mean, agree. If you just look at the Central Division and how tough it is, any kind of slide can really hurt you in the long term. And yeah, my worry would be if, if Josh Morrissey can't go for a significant amount of time, it's like, how many guys can you call up? Like, eventually, yeah. even a system that was built up pretty nicely like Winnipeg had, it's like after you go through Pullman and Sammy Niku, like, then you're sort of on to a second tier, and what does that do to the Manitoba Moose? Like, you have to all take it as a, a big entity, and I, I just don't know if it can hold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this team was one, like, massive comeback away from being 0-3. They, I think they were down... Three or four nothing to New Jersey and came back and won that game in a shootout, um, which which I think would give me a bit of pause for optimism. Um, you know, this is a team that very well might be able to score its way out of trouble while it finds itself defensively, and you know maybe they can do that. Um, but it's it's not it's not a recipe for sustained success. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can't if you can't defend in the NHL, you're not going to win. You're, you're simply not you're not going to win. Mm-hmm. You're not going to win in the long term in the regular season. You're definitely not going to win the playoffs. Fair. Okay, Ryan, so let's hear your storyline that you are taking seriously so far. It could be a good thing or a bad thing, positive or negative. Yeah, I'm going positive, and I'm seeing uh, the Carolina Hurricanes for real. Mm-hmm. 3-0, and looking really nice. Comebacks aplenty. It's the Cardiac Canes. 
once again. They're doing it without Justin Williams' leadership. Now Jordan Stahl is the captain. I, I just think, you know, when we thought about this team in the summer, there wasn't a lot of questions per se. It was just, you know, how good can they be? You know, can they recapture the magic of last year with the storm surge? And you look at what they've done so far and it's like, yeah, I, I think they're for real. That defense is still really good. It's you know slightly different, but still good. The forwards are getting the job done. They're getting adequate, adequate goaltending. I feel like Carolina is one of those teams in that division where you can kind of pencil them in already and say, like, okay, like they've got it together. Yeah. They're going to be there at the end of the season. You know, the, the NHL, <clears throat> they put out these useless pieces of information most of the time, right? Like, it's like, you know, uh, Cody Eakins, the first red-headed player in history to, you know, score in every other period for the first six games of his career, something stupid like that. But they had one this week that the Carolina Hurricanes are the third team in NHL history to be trailing going into the third period of their first three games and have come back to win all three of those games. Wow. So that's significant. And I think another part of it that's interesting is they've, they've won two games in overtime and one game in a shootout, and I believe their overtime scores, are. I'm not mistaken, I know for sure Jake Gardner was one. I think Brent Pe- Brett, Brett Pesci was the other one, and Dougie Hamilton won, won in the shootout. So they're getting it from the back end for sure. Um, yeah, it looks, looks like the jerks are uh, off to a pretty, pretty uh, encouraging start. For sure, and I'm kind of excited about the idea of Carolina Hurricanes trade deadline buyer because, you know, you think of them as a small market team that, you know, very rarely pursued a big fish free agent, wasn't usually, it was usually doing the selling, not the buying at the trade deadline. Uh, And now it's like, okay, what's going to happen in March if Carolina's in a position to add someone? That's really exciting to think about, and I think they're, they're, you know, getting close enough to win now window that they could afford to surrender a prospect. Maybe it's a Jake Bean because that blue line is so deep. Someone like that so I think because I do think if they're going to go all the way uh, they're going to have to just add another high-end forward in terms of talent. They got right. really good depth. Of course, Aho is awesome. Teravine is awesome. Svechnikov's, I think I think we all agree, is going to break out. Yeah. But I, I do think they would need another kind of high-end, high-ceiling forward if, if possible. Yeah, and they've, they've got that nice pipeline going where they can afford it now. They're in that position where they can surrender an asset. And I think Jake Bean's a great example where you can put him out to market and say, look, we have too many good defensemen. We yeah. couldn't even give him a real crack. But he's already won a Calder <laughs> Cup with Charlotte. He moves the puck. He can give you offense from the back end. Here you go. Mm-hmm. Well, Kenny, who you got for your, your early season Storyline. A uh, little concerned about the fact that the Arizona Coyotes have one goal in two games. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah that, that, that's you. a concern. That's a concern. Um, you know, with the offensive upgrades they made in the summer, I, I, I just don't get it. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what, why can't they get things going there? You know, and, and now they're 0-2. They've scored one goal, and now you're back to, Damn. You know, the Coyotes, they suck again. Like, I I don't know if they do or they don't, but um, to be that limp offensively, to come out of the gate that way, that's... That's not that's not a good mm-hmm. thing. I mean, last year at least their penalty killing was scoring all kinds of goals right. in the beginning of the season, uh, but this year they've got one goal by Derek Stepan. Phil Kessel has one assist in two games, and like you say, I mean, it's you know the the the, the shelf life of these might not be very long, but still, you'd like to see a team like that 
you know, come out of the yeah, gate a with team, a little, a team that needs a yeah, good start. yeah, like a little more robustly. You want to, you know, you want to see them come out and maybe blow a team out early, or, or you know, at least be in the game, you know. But yeah, it's 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 not it's not great. Yeah, they've become a, a prove it team to me. Like I feel like every generation now, yeah. there's a team that is perpetually good on paper, always piling up prospects, first round picks. Every year is the year that they're finally going to put it all together. I feel like that was the case with Columbus for many years and Florida for many years. Well, yep. still is with Florida. Still is with make Florida. Case. Yeah. But I, I feel like Arizona Arizona's become Florida West in that sense, where I'm just uh, they, I've had enough years where I felt like they were going to put it together, and now I'm like no. Prove it. Do it. Yep. Just do it, and then I'll, yep. then I'll be on board. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, it was a tough weekend for the Pittsburgh Penguins in many ways. Of course, losing Evgeny Malkin, long-term injury, currently undisclosed as we as we live stream this, this podcast. Uh, Nick Bugstad is also out. Uh, and Sidney Crosby, they're lucky. Sidney Crosby could have sustained a major injury when he decided to fight Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is a pretty scary task for anybody. He, he a big boy, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Ooh, I, he's, he's a thick he's dude. He's photoshopped. Yeah, he's that guy is that guy's like chiseled. He's man. a tank. Oh yeah, yeah. He's CGI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, I know Crosby was stepping in, trying to be a good teammate for Jake Gensel. Um, but is that a thing that you want Sidney Crosby doing? Even though I'm sure his teammates they really appreciate the character that Sid showed. But considering Sid's history of head injuries and the fact that fighting Luc Dubois is basically guaranteeing a head injury or almost guaranteeing a head injury because he's just he's a mean customer. Big dude mm-hmm. where do you guys stand do you think that's a sort of a stereotypical media take to say no you shouldn't fight if you're a star or do you think no you shouldn't fight if you're a star uh it's definitely a head versus heart thing where my head says no and you know in in retrospect it's like you can't get hurt Sid. they have no more centers malkin and bukestad are gone you literally have no centers please don't go out of the lineup but at the same time, you're right. I mean, everybody in that room would have loved that Crosby dropped the gloves, you know, as the captain, as the best player on the team. And you like to see that fire in a lot of players because it gets them into the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going to be rational about it, it's like anybody else can take on Pierre-Luc Dubois. Crosby's the one guy that you need to have on the ice all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? It wasn't even like one of these things where, you know, he was getting run up and down or he was getting abused or whatever. It was just one of those stupid things that happens in an NHL fight. And I feel like I can't even talk about this without people jumping all over me because my my fighting stance has been pretty well documented. But, you know, I was thinking, okay, so the NHL under the guise of keeping players safe, said this summer that if your helmet falls off in the middle of a play, you either got to put it right back on or get off the ice mm. or you get a penalty, right? Yeah. What if Crosby's helmet had popped off during that fight? And that's when you're more likely. Yeah, and it's like, and it's like, it's like, keep fighting? Mm-hmm. Keep fighting? It's okay to keep fighting, but, you know, if yeah. you're playing, no. And we're all about safety right. here. So, anyways, you know what? I'm I'm sorry, guys, for bailing on this, but it this whole thing drives me nuts, and I find it really difficult to talk about it. So I don't think you're bailing. Yeah, yeah, okay, and, yeah. I, and that's yeah. where I lean to. I, I still think. I mean, 
I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I'm not a, I'm not a pro fighting person anymore either. I still think, you know, like you can apply it to any sport, like where a, a fist fight, like if you hit a golf course, imagine like Ty, Tiger Woods was, you know, he, he birdied 16, but then, you know, Phil Mickelson really, they dropped the gloves and, you know, they went at it. And, and I think that yeah. fight really changed the course of the yeah. game. And, and then Tiger bogeyed 17. It's like, it just, if you, if you drop it into any other sport, then it kind of highlights the, well, so I, I was watching but, curling. I was watching curling this weekend yeah. and I was, it was like, I was thinking as the skip was going down, like what if the other guy just came up behind him and cross-checked him or, or they just threw him right they in just, the neck. Yeah. Like I think people in the bubble of hockey, it's, well, it's always part of the sport. But, it doesn't um, have to be. But within the context of this discussion, so that that mm-hmm. extreme take aside, uh, I, I just think, you know, if you're sitting in this case, you're playing into the Blue Jackets' hands. And I think the Blue Jackets are going to have to do a lot of that this year. We know they're a tough team. After losing a lot of talent on paper in the offseason, one thing they did not lose was their toughness. They have a lot of, especially at forward, a lot of mean customers. So it's a great, if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois, you're like, oh, this is great. Yes, it's Crosby. He's off the ice. This is a great trade-off, right? So you don't want to give Columbus that gift when you know right now the Blue Jackets, they've lost a lot of talent on paper. So I don't know. That's where I stand. Uh, The Edmonton Oilers have won their first couple games. Barn burners, especially the the second one. Uh, And it was interesting because last year the, the top two leaders in ice time among forwards were Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But Dave Tippett, the new coach, uh, off-season pressers, was talking about maybe scaling back the penalty-killing time and playing them less. But after a couple games, Leon Dreisaitl's oh, over 26 yeah. minutes. Yeah. McDavid is just around 23. He's close to what he was last year. So it seems like they're going with the opposite strategy. And do you think, is, is this the key to the Oilers winning? Just play them all all the time? Or is that going to come back to bite them eventually? Well, I just don't know why they're not playing Colby Cave more. <laughs> and Gaetan Hawes. Yeah. Like, what if they're watching? This <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that would have been really cute when Tippett said that this summer. That that would have been really cute. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play two of the probably top ten best players in the world less. Right. No, this is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Connor McDavid's twenty two years old. Leon Dreisaitl's twenty three years old. They're also playing the pants off of Di- Darnell Nurse and Oscar Clefbaum, right on the which back they end, have to do which right they have to do. Adam right, and they and they have to do that yeah. because this is a team that is devoid of NHL talent at the bottom end. You can't play those guys very much. It's like my beer league. We lost to it. Well, we suck, but we lost to a team that had like six skaters, but it was all their best guys. So they all got to play the whole game. If they had brought a bunch of their lousy guys, we would have had a better chance, Fair. right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think, no, I think this is the exact recipe you go with. These guys are young. Like, you ever seen Connor McDavid's workouts in the summer? Like, he's one of the most fit guys ever. Like, I, I would not be concerned at all at his age about burning him out. Because wh- what are you worried about? What, they're not going to be, they're not going to be, you know, they're going to be stale when the playoffs come? Well, if you don't play them 25 minutes a game, you're not making the playoffs right, anyway. Exactly. Yeah, the yeah. summer the summer is where you rest and relax. Yeah. This season, you you have to make the playoffs if you're Edmonton. It's been too long. McDavid and Drysaddle need to get into the postseason. They're two of the most electric stars we have right now in the NHL. Just play the wheels off them. And then, you know what? I mean, if you get to the playoffs, if it's mission accomplished there, I have a feeling that the adrenaline's going to kick in and you can continue to play them 25 minutes a game until you lose out to whoever. And then... In the summer, you try to 
bulk up your team and get a little more talent. But for now, it's just like go with what's working. Yeah, I agree. You have to ride them while you can, while the games matter. And you know, yeah. if you reach a point in February where you're slip, slipping out of contention, you have to start you know managing their reps for next season. Fine, yeah. you play your young guys, get them more reps, see what you have with the rest of your roster. But while the games matter, just play your best guys, do whatever it takes to win, and that gives them the best chance to win. So. Load up. And it's great for hockey. Yeah. It's fantastic for hockey. Yeah, like, give me more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're pretty much in agreement on that one. Um, Steven Stamkos, over the weekend, uh, was very openly critical about the Lightning, who've started uh, 1-1-1 pretty uncharacteristic uh, after their 62 wins last year. He talked about how it's going to be a long season if they don't clean up their sort of freewheeling ways defensively. Uh, And it's interesting because you go back to our first topic, which was early season storylines. Do you care about them or are they blown out of proportion? I think Stamkos is blowing this out of proportion. Maybe it's a case of a captain just saying, trying to say the right things to motivate his team, but I'm not worried. Are you guys worried about this? I am. I am. Because number one, it's it's this is not an isolated thing. This is a trend. They weren't good last year in their own end. They weren't good defensively last year. And the other part of it is 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 he said I'm I'm assuming he said this after the Carolina game. They road shot 43 44 to 13 in that game, 16 to nothing in the second period. And you know, you talk about scoring your way out of trouble. Well, it's all well and good to be able to do that, but you got you have to have the puck. Yeah. And if you're playing that defense that badly and getting outshot 16 nothing in a period, you don't. You're not touching the puck, so you're not creating any offense. So, no, I I don't think he's overreacting. I think I think it's it's a point in the season where, you know, the the, the Lightning want to establish themselves as the alpha dog in this league, and you're sure as heck not going to do it by getting outplayed that badly. They got out of that game. You know, I mean, they did get out of that game with a point. Surprisingly, they they lost an OT. Um, but yeah, that's that's not acceptable. No. Yeah, I I think you have to get it done now so it doesn't linger throughout the season. You have to establish who you are because you're out of excuses right now. And you know, they had a chip on their shoulder after they lost to Washington, and Washington went on to win the cup. Then they get a chip on their shoulder from getting swept by Columbus. Well, they're out of shoulders. Okay, <laughs> so. This time, there's no excuses. You have all the personnel. You have a coach who has won at every other level other than the NHL. He's won, you know, John Cooper has won titles everywhere else in his career. Get it figured out now. Yeah. You, you have the talent. You're not going to sneak up on anybody. You're, no, you're never going to be the underdog. So you have to play at the best capacity possible. Mm-hmm. And you got to get into good habits now because that's, that's what they lacked, I think, in the playoffs is they hadn't had many meaningful games for months and then all of a sudden you're expected to play like a tight ship it just it didn't happen against Columbus they got outplayed they couldn't keep leads and that was it four games it's interesting that uh, you know I'm gonna go with the opposite take uh, on you guys uh, with this I think this is the best thing that could possibly be happening to the Tampa Bay Lightning right now because it's, they're having problems early in the season when there's time to figure this out rather than being so perfect all season that it, they felt invincible and then the problems come up and uh, you got four losses and you're out of the playoffs yeah. that's it mm. yeah. so I think adversity early is is a splash of cold water that they need on their face uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's going to be the key for them just to Tighten things up, plus Braden Point. Braden Point. Getting back, back in the lineup. Yeah, getting back at some point soon would really help. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, 
I just wanted to add something. I, oh, okay. Uh, Dmitry Kulikov is not playing the next Winnipeg Jets game uh, for a personal matter. So that's a no. Oh game. my wow. goodness, Stephen! Wow, it's funny. Stephen was he was waving at me, and I was like, "What is he? What is he doing? Is he trying to tell me there's construction above us?" I was like, ah. "I was waving him off," but he just wanted to add that little nugget about Dmitry Kulikov. So there you go. It gets even worse for the Jets. My goodness, I think that now like one of us will be playing for the Jets probably within the week or so. Yeah, there was a question we got asking if we could just show up to practice and just join the team. Basically. You probably can. Looks like we could have this point. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd, be, I'd be, if I played, I'd be like the analytics whipping boy. Like, Larkin skating is so bad, he's worse than Cody Cece in his Corsi <laughs> against. You think? That's a Corsi joke, you know? <laughs> oh, that's a good one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, the league leaders and goals right now. We have one name that's not too surprising. One name that's at least a little bit surprising early in the season. Five goals apiece. Austin Matthews, Anthony Mantha. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Matthews first. Uh, you know, it seems like nothing he's doing is surprising. It's usually a matter of him just staying healthy. But do you think that this is the year we are going to see Matthews finally put it all together and win the Rocket Richard Trophy? I think he can do it. And it's because nothing he does is fluky. When he gets goals, so many of them are because of that incredible release he has on his shot where it's so hard for goalies to pick up. And he gets it away just in perfect spots. So it's it's not like he's, you know getting good puck luck. He's putting pucks in the exact place they need to be. And he's got William Nylander back. They have such great chemistry together. So as long as he plays 82 games, and that's been the only issue really in his career so far on ice, is staying healthy for an entire season. As long as he can do that, he's going to get goals in bunches. Yeah, this guy's got... A Hall of Fame release yeah. on a shot mm-hmm. already. Um, the best release I've ever seen on a shot in my life was Mike Bossy, and this this is this is there. Mm. This is there, like on a non-slap shot. Yeah, go, and, go you know, seem afraid of it almost. Like yeah, it's yeah, like it makes you yeah. Almost well, yeah. well, yeah, but you, but but I can see why. Like when a guy winds up for a big slap shot, you know what's coming, mm. right? You never know when it's coming off of this guy's stick. You have no idea when. And how and how hard it's going to be and where it's going to go. Um, yeah, I mean, like this guy, like I said, I think he's he's got an like, and I, and I don't think this is hyperbole. He's got one of the all time great releases in the history of the game, and I'm and I'm I say that without reservation. Yeah. What's interesting to me is, you know, I look at Carey Price as obviously one of the best goalies ever, one of the best goalies playing the game right now. And I think, you know, Carey Price is technically excellent, he's big, he's cool, but there's also that intimidation factor where for most of the hockey world, if they're playing Carey Price, they're saying, we're lucky if we get one or two goals tonight. It's Carey Price. Mm -hmm. Austin Matthews has never had a fear of Carey Price, and he had two goals in their game on the weekend against Montreal. All he sees is the very tiny holes that Carey Price allows for. And to me, that says something, that even going back to his first exhibition games as a rookie, Austin (laughs) Matthews could score on Carey Price. Very few people can do that on a consistent basis. He has, like, more goals than, like, 10 teams right now, eh? Yeah. Yeah. 
like and just like Mika Zibanej had has more points than than twenty teams. <laughs> and, and Matthews, I think it's not a surprise because we know just if you look at his numbers, the per minute, like the the goals per sixty minutes since his career started, even strength, he's number one in the league. So yeah, the only thing in his way, yeah, that's right. The only thing in his way is playing time, and of course health. And you know it's anecdotal, but I did interview him in the summer, and when I saw him, Matthews, I was struck by the size of him. He was huge. He looked like I don't know. His, I think he. He's listed as maybe 220, but he looked 235. He looked like an NFL wide receiver. And I know every guy's in his, at his biggest in the summer when you have time to work out and get strong. But to me, at least, it hinted that he's trying to just build a lot of muscle to be able to absorb impact more. So we'll see if it keeps him healthy. You never know. Yeah. He did get some. He did get a procedure too done in his shoulder. He cleaned up a bunch of stuff in his shoulder mm-hmm. that was bothering him for a long time. And maybe that's maybe he feels a little bit better with that too. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So what about Anthony Mantha? He's a guy that you know was a prolific scorer in Major Junior, uh, first round pick. Uh, took a little bit longer, as most Detroit prospects do, because they tend to baby their prospects a lot. But eventually got here, uh, and he's always had that thirty goal potential. But the way he's scoring so far, is it is it forty goal potential? Is he about to bust out and become a legitimate top tier goal scorer in the league? Well, they put together a super line in Detroit, right? Like that's a super line to me. That's that that line could be, you know. I mean, again, without being too hyperbolic People here, you know. You, no, but you're looking at you're looking at a Ranton and McKinnon and uh, and um, Landeskog type of line with Tyler Bertuzzi on the left, Mantha on the right, and, Lar- and Dylan Larkin in the middle. That's a that's that's a fantastic line. Um, and so as long as that line is clicking and he's getting points on the power play, I don't see why not. And this is really interesting because like. Two or three years ago, Jimmy Devolano, the the one of the executives with the Red Wings, basically went public and trashed Anthony Mantha, saying we're very disappointed with him, we're disappointed with his development, we're disappointed with his work ethic. You know, we we really we don't like it. Basically, was like we're not sure this guy's got what it takes. You know, so now <clears throat> if I'm Philip Zadina. I got to remember that. I got to remember that it took Anthony Mantha a couple of years to get it, right? And and now that he's getting it, you know, again, nobody ever flopped because they spent too long in the minors. And I think this is a really good um, lesson on that front. He's like exhibit A on that front Mm -hmm. that now he's here. He was ready last year, Mm -hmm. but now he's really ready to to really like lock it down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's good to see because... The problem was never going to be goal scoring for Anthony Mantha. It was always going to be other elements of the game and having that consistent effort. And you're right. Like, if you're one of those high-end Red Wings prospects in Grand Rapids right now, and that's going to be a super fun team in the AHL, you look at that and say, okay, I need to be on every shift. I need to be dominating every game at this level so I can go to the next level and I can get those opportunities like Mantha that he is now cashing in. Like, it's not just that he discovered his scoring touch because he's always been able to score. It's being able to do other things competently at the NHL level and getting that consistency that allows you to play with a guy the caliber of Dylan Larkin as your center. And you're right. You're right, Ryan. It creates a meritocracy, right? It, It creates a meritocracy 
consistency because yeah. you, you know you have to be good. If you're in Grand Rapids right now and you're one of their young guys, you know you have to be really good in order to get that call up because mm-hmm. it's it's not and even I mean they're 2 and 0 we don't expect them to be good we didn't expect them to be this good and I don't think they will be mm-hmm. uh, that good but but even if they start to struggle you know that it's not going to be you know we just need a warm body up here so we're going to call you up mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thing yeah it's always right? better to earn a spot than inherit a spot because yeah. yeah. it creates a culture of entitlement more likely <clears throat> uh Mantha too uh, there are some encouraging signs of course his shooting percentage is off the charts just a couple of games into the season but ice time is over 20 minutes and he's averaged more than 14 shots per 60 minutes. So that's a sign that, again, in two games, but those two games were not fluky. He played his mind, played out of his mind in those couple games, so very positive signs. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk a little Major Junior and leading up to the NHL draft, two prospects that, of course, we have our eyes on for a major, majorly exciting 2020 draft class, uh, Alexis Lafreniere and Quinton Byfield. And both guys are tearing it up to start the year in Major Junior. So I got the numbers here. It's 19 points in eight games for Lafreniere. Year, 16 and 7 games for Byfield. So my question is A, are, are these guys are, do you think there's competition right now for the number one spot or is it still Lafreniere holding on to it? Uh, and what, is, what are the ceilings? That's more a question for you Ryan. What do you think the ceilings are for these two kids? Yeah. I feel like we have to at least keep the discussion open right now. Lafreniere comes in as sort of the consensus number one, but Byfield plays in a tougher league, that being the OHL versus the Q, and he's also a center, whereas Lafreniere is a winger. Now, Lafreniere as a winger does a lot of the things that centers do. I mean, he makes his line mates better. That's one of his great qualities. He creates so much in the offensive zone, also has great size. So, you know, speaking of meritocracies, I really feel like we need to keep an open mind here and, and as the season progresses, say, okay, well, what do they do at the World Juniors? Does Byfield make Team Canada? Lafreniere, I mean, he's a lock. He was there last year as an underager, and you know, he was there at the summer camp. He was one of their best players at the summer camp. Byfield, young guy, he's he's going to have to earn that spot. He was not at the summer camp uh, because he was at the Holinka Gretzky tournament for under 18s. So it'll be interesting to see you know what he can do there. I. I I'm very excited about this. And you, you talk about upside. You know, Quentin Byfield, it, it's like a super easy one because he's so much like Eric Lindros mm-hmm. that I almost feel like we can call him the big Q, and it's just mm-hmm. like that easy. Uh, with Lafreniere, I don't know. You know, Vincent LeCavalier's name has come up, and obviously LeCavalier is a center, but that kind of style, they got the size. They you know they both had the hype, both played for Ramuski. But that you know, that's a name that has come up a couple of times early in his career as well. Yeah, I want I want to see both those guys on the World Junior Team. I, I really do. I yeah. I mean, how can you not have them? Yeah. And and if one of them has to get cut, then it should be Byfield because then he can stay playing for Sudbury and they can keep winning. Right, <laughs> Mr. Sudbury over here, <laughs> Mr. Sudbury. They scored. They've scored. They beat uh, somebody 10-something and somebody 9-something. Like, they're scoring and giving up goals like nobody's business yeah, in Sudbury. Yeah, it's all, it's all, it's all, it sounds very entertaining. Yeah, it sounds really good. Um, I was talking to a scout before the season. Grandpa's got a list of his glasses <laughs> here to see. And uh, he, I was talking about the the draft class for this year. And, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think it, the, the jury's still out on who's number one. Um, I, I think Lafreniere's still sort of the consensus guy right now. Yeah. But... I mean, you've got to, like you said, you got to keep an open mind. But he told me that that Lafreniere, Byfield, Holtz, Raymond, and Lundell 
like even before the season started, he said it would have to be something astronomical to knock those mm-hmm. five guys mm-hmm. out of the top five. Now, Cole Perfetti's another guy who might jump in there too, right? Yes. And you know what? There's a guy we're not even talking about right now, and you you know who he is. Right. I have no idea who he is. You probably have no idea who he is. Who's going to be a top five or six or seven pick right. by the they end know. of the year? They're going to know your job. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I, thought, I thought you were about to say a guy. I thought it was rhetorical. But no, you, you, you mean no, I don't even know who he is. Really yeah, I literally have no, no idea who the guy is. Yeah. I thought you were referring yeah. to Askarov, the goalie, who is just blowing people's minds right yeah. now. Yeah, Askarov could go very high. It really sounds like he could go top 10, which is kind of funny because for years now, we've just said, like, ah, don't draft goalies in the first mm-hmm. round. There's no point. And now it's like we have Spencer Knight going, like, 13th. And it was like, oh, yeah, that was a good pick. You got <laughs> Spencer Knight 13th, Florida, way to go. And with Ashcroft, we're already like, yeah, he should be top 10. That's exciting to me because we haven't had, it and is. I wrote about this in a recent issue, we're, the era of, of the, the phenom goalie, like mm-hmm. the goalie that makes kids put the poster up on their wall, like Patrick yeah. Law did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't live in that era right now. Yeah. We, we live in the era of, like, load management, you know, where, go, where the goalie's not as famous because he's playing for 47 games, not 75 games. And the idea of Askarov being this new phenom coming along, to me it's it's a fresh story, or at least a story we haven't heard in a long time. I like it. Yeah, and also I think because of guys like Matt Murray and Carter Hart, it's no longer... And is, you know, a matter of saying, oh, well, you draft a goalie and you wait five or six years before you even get to see him. Now it's like, ah, you wait a couple of years and Carter Hart's your starter. Yeah. And he's actually doing pretty well at it. So that, to me, is a reason why Askarov could go top ten is you say to yourself, okay, well, whatever his contract is in Russia, after that one is done, then he's your starter. Yeah, those guys, are, I think, are still the exception, the, the, the Carter Hart's, yeah. the Carey Price's, yeah. the guys who come in at the age of 19 or 20 and, and can, can take a number one spot. Yeah. I, I still think they're, they're exceptions to the rule. So now the key is, is you know, find your get your scouting report to put their hockey minds together and identify the guy that, that is the guy that can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe this this guy is is that guy. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, time for some reader questions <laughs> now, some live reader questions. Although, before we get to an actual question, I just Live readers? To, yeah. Or, or <laughs> listeners. There's some readers to me, though, because, you know, it's people that read our articles and magazines. I feel like I'm always going to call them readers. They you know? had to read the tweet. This yeah, they could be viewers. Yeah, they read something. And I want to read something now that I just like. It's not technically a question, but it's awesome. It's from, uh, okay, this, from guy, Michael this is called... In, in says, weird to see Ryan Kennedy. Voice does not match the face. I hear his voice and I picture a skateboarding kid who has a penchant for getting lit and diet and a diet consisting entire, entirely of chicken or fish burritos. Holy shit! I mean, holy shit! <laughs> there's no, there's holy no God. seven second delay. Yeah, there's no delay on here. That guy's got you. Pretty much. Nailed it. Yeah. Oh, He's other God. other than. Other than the drug part. Yeah. Yeah. But what, yeah. When I was in my 20s, a lot of people thought I was a drug dealer. And I still think you but sound I just like, like hoodies. California. Yeah, I haven't. Everybody always asks me, like, why I have an American <laughs> accent, and I don't really have an explanation other than the fact that I went on a lot of vacations to the U.S. Yeah, when I was a kid. Like you sound like you're from Texas and you're. 
from Mississauga. Yeah. It's Texas. like Gabriel Landeskog. He sounds like he's from Lethbridge. Yeah, yeah totally. From Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Cook, this, is, this is amazing. Who is this guy? Improbi is the name. Improbi, wow. we love you. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to stick in California for the next question, so we're, we're keeping it topical here, okay? So this is from Ryan McKinney, 198. Uh, do you feel Pete DeBoer is on the hot seat in San Jose? I don't personally think so. I think the problems that the Sharks have at the moment are problems that we talked about going into the season, which are goaltending, 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 uh, and also just depth, especially at forward. So I don't think you can blame the coach. The coach can only work with the pieces that are on the board. And if yeah. that one piece is letting every puck past, Martin Jones, sorry, Martin Jones, but it's been bad. What do you do if you're Pete DeBoer? You can't blame the coach for that, can you? Right, right. Um, San Jose, just to me, is like, it'd be one of those teams that you'd be like, yeah, they suck right now. They're not good. They're not good. They haven't been good. And But if there's a team that's going to play its way out of that and find its way, you think it's going to be San Jose? Yeah. And you're going to give them the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I mean, what what would firing Pete DeBoer do at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think you know they have so many youngsters trying to find their way right now that there's going to be that feeling out process where you got to see who's going. They're getting used to the NHL lifestyle. Maybe you haven't found the right youngsters yet. There's certainly a lot of options between the Sharks and the Barracuda where you, you just haven't found the right mix yet. Give it time. Okay. Next question. I love this one. It's from Vili Penninen. Uh, and Vili asks, I'm traveling to L.A. with my daughters, and I'd like to go to an NHL game. They hate the idea because they're, they're soccer fans. How do I change their mindset within one week? Okay, Vili, I'm going mm. to use a quote from my dad, uh, the first hockey game I ever went to when I was probably, I don't know, five years old. And he said to me, okay, Matt, you know all the things that whenever we go to a restaurant, I tell you you can't do, like jumping, running, dancing, <laughs> screaming, all that stuff, eating junk food? Yeah, yeah, Dad. He said, okay, at the hockey game, you get to do all of those things. I was like, yeah! So, so Vili, I don't know how old your, your daughters are, but if they're in that age range, uh, just go with that advice from my dad. Just tell them they can they can run wild and be loud, and everything's allowed. I just say dr- drag them to the hockey game and don't give them a choice. They'll, they'll thank you later for it. Right. <laughs> they'll find something they yeah. like. If it's not the hockey game, it'll be the hot dogs or the mascots mm-hmm. or the in-arena entertainment. You never know. You just... You never know what kids are going to get into until they actually give it a try. Mm-hmm. Right. That's fair. And, and you know, to, actually the best thing would be to take them to a hockey game and then a soccer game. Totally. And then they go, what? Yeah. Like, what? Uh, Why am I watching this? Yeah, yeah that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say sorry, soccer fans, but this is a hockey podcast. Yeah. And we're probably yeah. in, in an echo Sorry, chair, not right? sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> to quote Demi, to Demi Lovato. Uh, next question is from Marvelous Mart, and Mart says, out of all the rookies from last year, who will take the biggest step this year? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for some pretty low-hanging fruit and say, what a shock, Rasmus Dahlin. But mm. uh, I want to yeah. give a proper reason for it, okay? So Dahlin, uh, what I love, like I, I wrote a lot about Dahlin, interviewed him during his draft year, and spoke to his old coaches, and um, one of the things that stood out to me was just how ready he was for not just not just being an NHLer, but also being an NHLer with high expectations. And when and when I, I mentioned Nick Lidstrom to him, and he said, people think that I'm nervous when I hear that. No, I love that. That gets me excited. Uh-huh. That gets me motivated. That makes me more pumped up to go play better. So I think he's a personality that was always uh, well-suited to ex- excel as a teenager, which he did. Uh, and I just think if he could be that good at 18 and, and score at, at a Bobby Orr pace for an 18-year-old, then I 
think the sky's the limit, and I wouldn't be remotely surprised. I think like the range of outcomes for Darlene, the worst case, I think he's as good as last year. Best case, he can be a 60-point player and challenging for the Norris Trophy. Drew mm-hmm. Doughty, I believe, was a Norris finalist in his second <clears> season, <throat> so I don't think that's crazy to say. Uh, so Darlene, to me, is the guy who's going to take a big leap, and I, I understand that's not making a huge stretch, but I sometimes you just want to give the answer that you think is the most true. Yeah, so. True. Am I up next? Yeah. Okay. Uh, in the context of playing for a really, really bad team, I think Brady Kachuk is going to have a monster year. Yes, this year. I agree. I, I think he's going to be a monster. He, I, I was talking to his skills coach, uh, Yari Bursky. I don't know if you guys have ever talked yes. to him, but he's one of the greatest guys in hockey. I just love talking to the guy. Um, he worked with, uh, with both Matthew and Brady this summer, and he was saying that Brady had gained 20 pounds. And so I went and asked Brady about that, and he said, well, no, he says, I'm playing at about 210 right now, which is where I was last year. He said, but last year I took advantage of the, the extra food they have around here all the time. <laughs> and so it's a different body now. So he's now 210 of, like, really, like, muscle and, mm. and sinew and all that stuff. And, and I mean, we know, his, we know what his approach to the game is like. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, like Matthew got a hugely underrated skill level mm-hmm. uh and and so i i you know i mean he's got they've had two games he's got two goals um i think they've had two games mm-hmm. have they? Yeah. yeah yeah he's got two goals uh and i just think that you know i mean on that team with that level of talent somebody's got to put up points somebody's got to play the power play and i think he's going to be a huge factor in that yeah, I, I like Kachuk as well, uh, but I, I feel like I always say Brady Kachuk when somebody asks me a question. Um, so my other my other answer is going to be Rupi Hints mm-hmm. in Dallas. Yep. You know, this is a kid that he's got speed. He can play a top six role. He's very versatile. He can play you know multiple forward positions if you need him to. He's got great experience. You know, he went to a Calder Cup final with the Texas Stars. They lost to the Toronto Marlies, but. I think that was a big building block for Hintz and his North American game. And he's he's just he has a chance on a, a very good stars team to really get into that group and make a difference because of his wheels. And uh, I, I think he can make a, a really nice career for himself starting right now. John Klingberg was talking at the in the preseason about him and he said that's the guy somebody asked who's the guy that we don't know about on your mm-hmm. team that's really good and he was raving. And he still—he really—he left off the screen in the yeah. playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you're not, if you're yeah. at the game, not the screen, you just your eyes. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was very like he really you yeah. could you could feel it coming. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna do one more question. This is a fantasy hockey question, but I still think you guys, even though you're not fantasy guys, you can still offer something here because um, we're just talking long-term potential. So Anthony Louis, he asks, uh, who do you trust in fantasy hockey this year? Keeper League, fourteen teams, Alexander Kerfoot or Paul Stastny? It's a tough one because mm-hmm. there's gonna be temptation to say Kerfoot because he's the younger player, uh, you know, theoretically has more upside. But at the same time, I just think that there's a ceiling there with Kerfoot because he's a third-line center. He's not going to grow past that role because he's behind Austin Matthews and John Tavares. Kerfoot is who he is. He's going to have the odd big game, which he did on the weekend. But to me, he's a 40-point guy. And Stastny, you know, he's, it's going to be – there's some jockeying going on with Cody Glass. And mm-hmm. long-term, you don't, you, know, you might think, uh, Stastny's not, not a great bet because he's injury-prone. He's in his 30s. But if, if Stastny versus Kerfoot, 
I'm not overly enthused about either guy in a keeper league, uh, but I would lean towards Stastny because you're going to get just a bit more short-term production. Um, but what do you guys think in terms of long-term potential for either player? Okay, well, first thing you have to explain to me, a keeper league, that means you take the guy and you can't drop him? Or no, what means, does that mean? Means it's like a real life, you carry the players over to the next season. Oh, to following seasons. Yes, but as, and some leagues, unlimited seasons, some uh, leagues, have contracts. I get okay, okay, yeah. okay. So, well... Yeah, yeah. Th- neither, like, I'm with you. Neither of them really does a ton for me. If it's one of these keeper leagues, as you say, I'd probably go with Kerfoot. Uh, a, because he's got a higher ceiling Long for the future. Sure, yeah. And and B, the, the, I, I just I don't trust Paul Stastny to stay healthy. And, and, I mean, you can never really, you know, you can never really bank on that. But, but I mean, he's provi- his body of work suggests that, He's going to get injured at some point, and it's probably going to be a long-term injury. So that's what I'd be worried about. I would go Stastny just because I know it's a keeper league, but in the short term, he can probably help you out more with points. Again, if he's healthy. But, yeah, the the ceiling's not going to be high on either of them long-term. And you can probably find a player with higher ceiling than Kerfoot in the future, whereas maybe Stastny helps you win your league this year, Mm -hmm. next year, maybe in the year after that. Whether he stays on Vegas or, I mean, you never know what happens in the future uh, if he goes somewhere else. He, he is one of those guys that can help a team in the short term and you know, pile up some points. For sure. And if, you ha- you know, if you're the Kerfoot owner, my advice would be also just uh, sell him. Sell high. He Use the Leaf hype. He had a big game the other day. Find the Leafs fan in your league and just offer Kerfoot and try and fleece the the person. Okay? <laughs> wow. That's the advice because yeah. there's always that overhype factor with Leaf players. So there you go. Uh, that concludes the Q&A session and that concludes the Hockey News Podcast live stream for this week. Hope you enjoyed it, everybody. We will be back next week with more fun and hopefully more assessments of <laughs> what Ryan Kennedy looks like and sounds like. And no vegetables, too. He doesn't eat vegetables. I'm working yeah, on that. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Worst diet ever. But I'm so jealous of it. Man. See you later, everybody.